Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design with RMIT University and I'm here with Chris Peck, who's Director of uh, Art of Architecture, or AOA, uh, as it's abbreviated. Welcome to the program, Chris. Hi, Stephen. Thank you. Great to be here. Um, I think we'll start with your name, Art of Architecture. How did that start? Sure. Um, well, uh, I've always been interested in fascination in art. Um, but equally, I understand that um, architecture is very much based in the sciences. So I, I'm a sucker for spreadsheets, doing everything, um, you know, to, to, uh, to the decimal point and, and procedure. But I'm really interested in the blend of science with art. Um, and what I'm interested in is bringing the artistic sort of pursuit back into building and creating spaces and forming spaces. So it's, it's that blend, but also bringing it a little bit more focus on the playfulness and the art within um, building or, or designing buildings. Chris, um, we can't really categorise what you do because I think your portfolio works fairly broad. Uh, you do residential work, alterations and additions. You, you work on a number of schools in uh, rural Victoria and you also do guest accommodation as well. So you really cover quite a broad spectrum. I thought it'd be interesting to start with the schools because you've really developed quite a niche with... Uh, regional schools in Victoria and I mean you spend at least a couple of weeks every working week traveling to you know western Victoria how did that start and and you know what's the connection you know what why is it so important for you because a lot of architects probably might even say oh look you know, they're kind of far away and doesn't really matter what they look like. And, you know, they're small cohorts. Tell me a little bit about how you got involved in that area. Yes, yeah. Uh, we find, we actually find the um, regional school projects really fascinating and um, incredibly exciting because you're, you're dealing with smaller local communities. Um, the investment and the involvement of, of your client group and even the wider um, stakeholders in terms of small regional communities is, is, is really exciting and really rewarding. Um, we sort of fell into it, I'd say, probably about five years ago. Um, was helping out a friend with a school project. The the department um, saw that we what we could do, and that and they just kept giving us um, slowly bigger um, projects. Uh, and um, yeah, as you say, we've sort of probably about eighty percent of our work is now through the Department of Education um, and and its state school work. I guess um, another I, one of the reasons that I I do enjoy it is I have spent a lot of time growing up. Um, in regional Victoria. So I understand the, the, the communities out there um, and I can see the impact, the change that these small projects that often don't come about, or don't come about very often um, in these communities and how much change they can sort of affect. Um, so yes, um, a majority of our work is, is with schools. Uh, also, I guess um, working with students and the children that go to the schools as well um, is, is incredibly exciting and rewarding for, for everyone that works in our practice, I think. I think they all enjoy that community connection. Chris, you know, look, I, I don't want to, you know, I think at the moment with COVID, 
Australia is very divided as it is. But, you know, if you're looking at designing schools for an urban environment as opposed to a rural environment or a regional area, what are the differences that perhaps, you know, the subtle nuances that you have to take into consideration when you're working, you know, out of Melbourne? Yeah, well, definitely, um, more often than not, we have the luxury of space, which is terrific when, we, when we're out in these, these regional uh, communities. Um, so, so that's a benefit, and that's something we work with, the, co the connection between the um, existing spaces and the, the internal um, spaces that we're providing. Um, I, I think also just understanding what that community's... Um, involvement, how that community is, has come about. We also find other nuances, particularly when you get to site, is that all the way through you seem to be um, working with uh, local communities, even even with the contractors that are appointed. So sometimes um, the head foreman will have gone to the school or been involved with the school. So you get this great sort of drive and passion right from inception to delivering and detailing on site where a lot of people are very familiar with the schools and the, and the schools have been influential to their families um, and to, to people growing up. Chris, the other thing is because a lot of these communities are ours, out of away from the city, you know, you, you're spending a lot of your time in the car driving. Is it something that a lot of urban architects uh, are put off by and think, oh, look, it's a lot of work for, you know, we have to go out. And so in a sense, you've been able to develop that voice in, in the country. Yeah, no, I 100% agree, and, and it, I think it frustrates some of um, uh, my clients or sub-consultants when I'm talking to them, and I often drop out of range um, when, you, when you're travelling in the car. Um, but I find, uh, I find um, the travel, I, I really don't mind it that much. I mean, we are, we are working in Mallacoota at the moment, which I think is the second most furthest school in Victoria from Melbourne. So, yeah, you definitely have to plan ahead those, those site, site visits. But um, the region is sort of, the department has focused us in a particular region. So we've got, a, you know, a couple of schools out that direction. And as long as you're um, combining several meetings together um, and programming the works, um, I, I really, you know, I find it enjoyable heading out every so often a break from the city um, and heading back into the country and, um, and, and staying overnight and working with these, with these smaller communities. Um, Chris, the other thing is you, you've just completed or recently completed, uh, this is another side of the practice, um, a renovation to a series of, or it was a series of terraces in North Melbourne. Um, and it was an interesting project because, you know, rather than having individual back gardens, uh, which is kind of the norm uh, for Australians, they want their own turf, they want to be able to divide their own turf, they don't want anyone on their land and they don't want other people using their land. It's theirs and only theirs. This was an interesting project that you, that the number of terraces, the owners of the terraces actually decided to share their back garden and create one larger communal garden that they could all use rather than separate it with fences. So you actually feel like you're in this parkland setting. How difficult is that to achieve? Because I can see that model being so appropriate for the inner city where space is tight. And if you only get very small slithers of land behind each terrace or house, it's, 
it's restricted opportunity. And yet if you re reduce, if you take the fences down and increase the land, then, you know, kids can play there, people can yeah. get together. So how does that work? And, you know, I know you'll probably say, look, it's worked perfectly. But <laughs> does it mean that you have to be a certain type to go into that type of arrangement? I think, yes, to a degree, definitely. Um, this, this project that you're referring to, um, the, the backyard is, is, a, is a, a joined backyard between four terraces, as you mentioned. It was actually created, the backyard, the joint backyard was created back in the 70s. And it was um, the foresight of uh, four uh, Melbourne Uni architecture students that actually bought these terraces back in the 70s, um, saved them from ruin. They were in a terrible state at the time, I think, um, abandoned. And they saw the, uh, they bought them because they wanted to preserve uh, uh, the 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 terrace the terraces and the architecture of these um, Victorian terraces, but also in 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 doing this, they saw the immense benefit of joining this backyard or creating this communal backyard. So I think it started with a whole lot of like-minded people, which probably helped realise this idea. Um, but also as it's progressed and as um, various owners have, have moved in and people have moved off um, in that block. Yeah, it's been the people that have stayed and more often than not, most of the, the tenants or the um, occupiers of those four terraces have been there a long time. They value that ability to jump into the backyard and, and share that space. Um, so it, what, what actually happened was they bought um, a recycling bottle factory that ran along the back of the, um, of the four properties. Um, and they used this to create that space. So they had their smaller amount of individual backyards, say a four by four metre space, but broke open the back fences and then spilled out into this big communal, communal area. And what you find, what's interesting is you find more often than not when you go and visit um, the clients there, most of the people are in their, the bigger community backyard, not sitting in their four by four metre isolated space closer to their, to their terrace. They really are out there enjoying the community, uh, yeah. their, their local community. So, Chris, they have their own little patch, and, yep. which is completely theirs, and then they have the bigger. That's right. And, and um, these patches are very much connected to the bigger, the bigger community patch, where it could just be a, a gate in a wall. They've, all of them have pretty much elected to open that right up so the space just flows straight out into the community garden. Um, why, yeah, so, why don't you think that's done more often? Is it just it's a rarity? And I, I believe, yeah, and I, I, there are definitely opportunities to do this with a lot of the long terrace blocks that you, you see from um, Google Earth throughout Melbourne. Um, but I think these guys were fortunate in that they had a group of like-minded individuals that together put forward the money to buy that block of land, that abandoned block of land that was sitting behind them um, with the goal to, to provide this communal space. Uh, yeah, it's a matter, it's an interesting one. And it's just, I guess it's a matter of um, how we've all developed in terms of our relationships with neighbours. Um, you know, it, I, I think, 
I don't know whether times have changed and whether people know their neighbours as well as they used to, say 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Maybe we're a little bit more uh, insular or inward looking, but um, there's definitely exists those opportunities to to combine space um, if, if people are interested or, or want to pursue that. Um, Chris, when it comes to art and architecture, generally, if you look at most of the urban art in cities, whether it's Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane, generally architects aren't given the gig. It's generally an artist. And there are very few architects who get involved in that area. It's almost like crossing the line. It's like, well, this is my turf. This is your turf. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, you're responsible for the building. And, but, you know, you're kind of, it's, it's, our, it's our domain. How do you respond to that? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think there are instances where definitely there are um, excellent artists that bring fresh and new ideas um, and, and working as a collaboration, um, it works extremely well. Um, and we're always looking for um, to, to collaborate on various buildings with, with, with artists as well. But I think it can go a step further in that even when we're forming the master plans and we're forming the site plans, we can think about you know, the artistry of the space or the, how the spaces are being feel, uh, felt as, they walk, as, as we explore them. Um, and that the architects play an important role in, in creating that um, it may be a canvas or it may be a finished work within that within the buildings that we're we're producing so I, I yeah I, I don't think it's necessarily for one or for the other and I think um, the more you know collaboration and working with people uh, we've had some exciting um, collaborations with um, in local indigenous artists on various schools that we've done down in Gippsland um, it uh, and just creating a little bit more of a little, little bit more um, point or interest to those buildings as you experience them um, is, is important. The other thing I was going to ask you, Chris, is generally the coastline's pretty well addressed for accommodation, but in a sense, uh, rural areas have kind of been like almost the second choice. Why all of a sudden we're having this resurgence of interest? It isn't now about just providing shelter or, you know, a standard motel in the bush. People really want that experience. They want something different. They're open to adventurous architecture. You know, that's part of the experience. I mean, people coming from overseas, they don't want just another motel by the side of the road. No, definitely. And and I think you've seen it in the, um, the amount of prefabricated sort of off-the-grid um, uh, shacks, if you like, that are, that, um, are popping up all over Instagram these days with, with wonderful, wonderful, there's an amazing opportunity for really unique and interesting architecture, um, at small scale architecture, um, to be popping up in, in these uh, amazing sort of rural environments. And people, I think, um, especially after COVID, are longing for these small escapes where they're, they're out of the city, they're out of their, um, their confines, which they've been in for the last however many months, uh, and they're looking just to to relax without the internet and without television, um, as connected to the environment as they can be, and um, yeah, the opportunities for architects and designers to create really bespoke, interesting, small scale um, 
you know, villas or, or places to stay in is seems to be gathering momentum, which is great. Well, look, I think everyone at the moment is so zoomed out. <laughs> and I think I agree. it's, you know, the idea of not having to deal with technology, getting out of it, putting your phone away, not turning any switches, just getting... You know, it sounds, you know, very 70s hippie thing, getting back to nature. But I think after the lockdowns that we've had, I think that's really what people are going to be craving foremost. So um, um, I'll be looking forward to seeing what's, what's happening in, in the wings from you, Chris. And, uh, look, thanks so much for being on the program. Uh, I'll be following what you're doing very carefully. You've been listening to Stephen Crafty. Talking Design is produced by RMIT University and brought to you in partnership with Melbourne City Council. If you'd like to stay up to date with all things Talking Design, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at talkingdesign underscore.